that's the big thing about biosecurity is just having a written plan that everyone understands the steps to that and what they're supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do. Just doing the big things right is 90% of anything that you do. Welcome to Inside the Helix, a podcast presentation from DNA Genetics. Throughout this series, we focus on all things that matter to the pork industry. You'll hear from our award-winning team of geneticists, veterinarians, animal care providers, nutritionists, and other industry-leading experts. We'll explore pig production from genetic improvement all the way to meat quality. Listen along as we take a deep dive inside the DNA Helix. Welcome to episode three of Inside the Helix. I'm your host, Curtis Harms, and today we're gonna spend some time talking about feed biosecurity. My guest is Dr. Jason Schneider. Jason is a technical consultant here with DNA Genetics. Jason, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Curtis. Thanks for having me. Now, Jason, you've got extensive experience in the animal science sector. You've got a bachelor's degree from Iowa State, a master's degree in animal science from Oklahoma State, and then you received your PhD in monogastric nutrition from Kansas State. Talk a little bit about your background and maybe what led you to your career today. Yeah, well, I guess I'll start off. I'm originally from a uh, small diversified farm in eastern Iowa where I grew up uh, raising uh, swine, cattle, and, and obviously crops uh, from the corn and soybean side. And that's really kind of where my love of swine production came from. So we actually grew up in the seed stock business, uh, raising Hampshire boars and did a lot of uh, showing within the 4-H circuit around Iowa and, and surrounding states. So. Now, did you always know you wanted to go into the swine industry? So like when you went to college, was that kind of a focus area for you? Because you did get some of your degrees in animal science. Yeah, well, I've always wanted to uh, or had a large interest in uh, swine nutrition really from the get go. So I think uh, um, that was really one of my driving factors to be within the swine industry is, is really gravitate towards the nutrition area and pursue that from a larger basis. So once I got through school and knew what I really wanted to do was just kind of a focus of where did I wanted to go and where I wanted to finish up and really decide if I wanted to um, focus on more of the uh, applied side or uh, really the basic side. Now you've been with DNA Genetics for close to five years now and today we're going to talk about feed biosecurity. Maybe in its simplest sense, explain what feed biosecurity, what that really means. Well, it can mean a lot of things, Curtis, uh, to a lot of different people. So I think that's really where we struggle in the industry is what does this actually mean? So it's, and it's not as really as straightforward as where you talk about biosecurity from a pig standpoint, because you have a lot of different moving parts within a feed mill, um, ingoing and outgoing, and then actually taking that finished product and deliver it to the farm. Uh, and it has to be all be done in a time efficient, uh, cost efficient manner uh, and still get a good product out to the to the farm where the pigs can digest it and, and grow really well. Now, typically, as we look at maybe some of our feed mills, we don't really seem to place a huge focus on disease transmission as we're looking at that from like a biosecurity standpoint. Why is this? Well, the disease transmission from biosecurity standpoint, especially with a, a feed mill is relatively new and it's really just came up through the time that PED came into the U.S. and was spread throughout the industry. And it really got that spread got really blamed on a lot of different feed products. And as that gone through the industry and has gone, had, had its up and downs in various herds in various states, we just put a really renewed focus on where some of these diseases has the potential of transferring and where they actually are transferring. 
And like all things, as we get better, we want to make sure that we're tightening up that biosecurity uh, circle, just making sure that we know what's coming and going on our farms. Now, Dr. Schneider, you recently gave a presentation where you focused on biosecurity at the feed mill, and you really looked at four key standard operating procedures. Let's let's talk about those four things. Yeah, when we talk about feed biosecurity, we're really trying to set up a SOP or around four different areas. That's one being an ingredient and biological standpoint, entry into the feed mill, mitigating or prevention, and then four would be a decontamination uh, step. So let's let's start off with that first one, the ingredient, the biological side. What should producers really do or keep in mind in this regard as we're looking at ingredients and kind of the biological standpoint? So when we talk about the ingredients uh, portion of that SOP, we really want to decide on what ingredients we want to allow into our formulation. So like I talked about with the introduction of PED into the country, there's really a renewed focus on whether we should even use swine products within swine diets. Um, Now, they're a very effective product, um, very useful very cost effective, but so there's been an, a focus on that and in trying to just limit uh, any of those diseases that could be transferred through there. So I think a lot of farms and mills need to decide, well, do I even want that product within form- my formulation period? When I would imagine that some of the, the operating procedures and, and protocols may vary mill to mill. Oh, exactly. So some mills can handle this much better than others. Some mills, obviously, from a toll mill standpoint, they really just take product in that their producers want. So they may actually not have a lot of choice in in determining what ingredient comes into their mill. Now, do you think that the risk is primarily in the ingredient or is it kind of in the transport? Well, when we look at from a risk standpoint and transferring diseases from a a feed standpoint, we know that from the research, it can happen if that feed is contaminated, especially with fecal material. But as far as a risk standpoint, the probability of that is actually low, especially when you compare that to pig to pig transfer or transfer from people. So when we look at from a, a feed standpoint and transferring diseases. We know it can happen, but we need to understand that the probability of that is actually fairly low. What about, let's look at detection. Does detection in ingredients equal transmission? Uh, not exactly. So we, we know that, especially in, in pork materials uh, like plasma, porcine plasma, you may actually be able to detect that genetic material, but that is not always clear that it's going to transfer that uh, material to the animal. So it may not be a live virus that you're seeing. You might just actually be picking up that genetic material within that that blood or that meat product itself. So there's still a big question on is, you know, just because I can pick that up in a very, very um, accurate uh, test that's testing to the minute level, it may not be able to transfer that to the animal. All right, Jason, let's look at that second SOP or that, that standard operating procedure entry into the mill. What are some considerations producers should keep into account? Yeah. So when we talk about entry into the mill and that second part of the SOP is we really just want to have a focus and really just a plan on what we're going to allow into our mill property or who we're going to allow into our mill property. Uh, We just don't want to let anyone come in. We don't want to just have products showing up. We just want to make sure that we know these trucks that are coming in we have a good grasp of where they've 
they've been and we're allowing what products are being able to be dropped at our mill. So, so, so we're looking at it from the human aspect, but also the, the transport side human, as well. Human aspect, human trans, uh, uh, transports, uh, truck traffic is a big one. And when we look at that from a milling standpoint, it might actually be in redesign how trucks enter and leave the mill. So some mills have a better opportunity to do this than, than others, but you might have a dedicated entry lane for some trucks and, and a dedicated output for some trucks, just depending on what type of material they're actually bringing onto the mill. So it almost starts to sound like we're getting into this mentality of, you know, entering a sow farm where it might be becoming more of a, a stricter or more, I guess, intensive thought out process. That's really what we're trying to um, to look at it from that standpoint. We have a clean side and a dirty side. We just want to make sure that we have control of where people are going onto the mill property and just having a good uh, idea of logistics and and traffic throughout that property. So uh, we just don't want people going to places where they're not supposed to, we're not allowed to go. So Now, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I I vaguely remember you saying that this is probably one of the most important steps in out of these four is really this entry into the feed mill. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, it's really what you're going to decide who comes on your property and what you allow onto the property. So that's going to be your biggest step on preventing or increasing, enhancing your mill biosecurity, because that's what you have most control over. You have control over what gets on your property, who you're allowed, where it's actually placed within your property and how it's actually stored. So you have the most control over that from a milling standpoint. So you just need to be, uh, you know, take advantage of that. Let's look at that mitigation or that prevention phase. What are some things that we need to keep in mind in this in this step? Well, when we look at that from a mitigation or prevention stage, which is is the third step of that uh, SOP is we're really looking at products that we can place within our feed that may actually prevent any potential contamination that's already occurred, that's gotten through those first couple steps from transferring to the animals. Uh, and there's been a lot of research and some really interesting, neat products that have come out here uh, in the last three years or so. Some of them being medium chain fatty acids. You have some combinations, some acid, organic acids in there, uh, as well as some tried and true products such as Salcurb, which is a form product that's also been used quite a bit in the poultry industry. So, and some of these products have been shown to be highly effective against diseases such as PED and or salmonella or some other diseases that we don't always think about from a big disease standpoint. Now, how does this work? Do, do, are some of these additives, are they, is it suggested that they're they're kind of counteracting maybe some of these these pathogens or these these diseases. Yeah, so that's really a thought of is some of these uh, mitigants uh, are really destroying that virus or potential virus as it is mixed uh, within the feed. Some of them may actually make medium chain fatty acids may actually produce a immune function within the animal and just some some different process like that. Like I said, it's a really new uh, part of the research, really new uh, science that we're looking at. So some of the processes we don't actually have a good grasp at or, or good grasp on 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 where the point of prevention happens is it in the feed or is it in the animal but it's definitely exciting research and it's something to basically really keep an ear to because this might be a, a solution in the future yeah and i think uh, when we look at that uh, i know right now we're concentrating on that from a feed biosecurity standpoint but i think there may be some additional health factors that we look at from a sow production side or a swine production side um, that, you know, some of these products may actually limit some further inflammation within the gut and increase some gut health aspects. Jason, can we ever fully prevent a contamination event? 
Well, no, that's really impossible to say that we're going to prevent something 100%. So if we do all those first three uh, steps correctly, we can really reduce any transfer points um, pretty significantly. But to say that we're going to prevent, you know, a disease transfer or mycotoxin introduction into your swine herd is, is really that's not going to be the case. You're never going to be 100%. So when we look at from a decontamination standpoint, you know, if you if these things get into your mill, we might need to do some different processes such as obviously cleaning down, doing a, a full mill blowdown. And that's something that a lot of mills don't think about, just simply cleaning up, uh, sweeping up. A lot of your uh, diseases and, and things like mycotoxins, they're actually on a lot of the like corn trash and, and things like that so within the feed and, and incoming corn. So just doing some simple cleaning processes will help keep you know, prevent some of these other things from getting into the feed and transferring to animals. Yeah, and that is that that fourth um, SOP that we've got there is kind of that decontamination side. So as we're looking at different things that we can do, you know, you kind of mentioned some of those cleaning processes, but as we're looking at maybe like flushing or batch protocols or chemical sanitizers, those kinds of things, what what things are you recommending? Well, first do? I'd start out with what every mill should be doing, period, is, and that's having a, a dedicated uh, clean down or blow down period. So that's just simply blowing the mill down either by uh, compressed air that you may have available through the mill or doing some just type of a clean down or sweep down. And that's getting dust and, and other feed buildup that may build up over time in the mill. You know, you get things that build up within the um, within the chute and the legs and just uh, that feed may have been there for quite a while, weeks or if even months. So just uh, doing some simple cleaning processes, some simple house cleaning processes helps and goes a long way. Now, if we get to a point where we think we're having more of an issue with diseases being transferred through the feed mill, then we might actually have to do some rarely some further steps such as doing some power washing. You know, you may have to do some uh, chemical cleaning, as you mentioned, with, uh, you know, uh, peroxide or, or or some bleach or some type of materials that way. And last but not least, you know, if we ever get to this point, heating up the mill, almost like baking it like you do, your semi-trailers will actually be highly effective. So, And I would imagine just keeping this a consistent process too, you know, because maybe sometimes it's simple to just, you know, I, I that seems like a lot of work today. I don't really want to deal with that today, but just keeping that standard protocol. Yeah, we just want to make sure that someone has a plan and there's a plan in place and we're actually following that plan. So that's the big thing about biosecurity is just having a written plan that everyone understands the steps to that and what they're supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do. And then just making sure that there's follow up on that plan. So um, the big thing about it is it's like all things, Curtis, like even a sow farm, just doing the big things right is 90% of anything that you do. So um, you know, we want to make sure we are controlling traffic. We want to make sure that we're not allowing foreign materials to get into our unloading grates uh, and, and getting through our, our legs and going into our ingredient materials. We want to make sure that we're just cleaning up after ourselves, making sure that we're not having a bunch of feed just sitting in a leg or sitting on the ground of the mill and just simply some simple house cleaning deals. Um, and that will help also with other things like rodent infants infestation. So just doing the big things correctly, I think can go a long way of uh, preventing disease transfer or other type of uh, transfers like mycotoxins and so forth. So let's start to summarize today. We're talking feed biosecurity. You mentioned that there's four key standard operating procedures. Those are ingredient, biological, that's kind of that first step. Entry into the mills, number two. Mitigation and prevention is number three. And then finally, that decontamination is number four. 
ultimate take home plan is, is or take home message that I'm getting from you is to have a plan to really make some something up, make it consistent, make sure everybody in the organization knows that plan. Anything else that you want to add to that or any of our other discussion today? Yeah, if you, if you don't, uh, you don't plan, you just plan to fail and just following through on that. So, you know, like I said, it doesn't have to be this big elaborate plan, you know, where you have a notebook full of steps and, and this and that, but just having something simple and doing some of the big things right. Now, Jason, this is episode three of Inside the Helix. You are the third lucky guest, or I don't want to say victim, that, we're, that we've had on the program so far. What I've been asking everyone so far is, is what, what keeps you engaged or what, what keeps you passionate about, about the swine industry and coming to work each and every day? Well, I'm honored to be here, Curtis. And I think one thing that keeps me passionate, especially with the position that I have, is even though I'm on the technical service team, I'm a nutritionist by training. And what I really love to do is just discuss nutrition with not only producers, but other nutritionists. And I feel like with this role, I can be very free in what I talk about. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, it's just all about helping our customers and producers produce a better pig and, and do better at the end of the day. So Very good. Thank you for joining us today, Jason. All right. Thank you, Curtis. On the next issue of Inside the Helix, we're going to discuss selection for E. coli resistance with Emily Mao Swinford. Um, she will be joining us here. And as always, you can tune into the conversation anytime. Um, if you've got questions or topic ideas, visit us online at dnaswinegenetics.com or you can find us on social media. Jason, thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Curtis. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Helix, presented by DNA Genetics. Inside the Helix is released every other Tuesday and is focused on what matters to the swine industry. To catch up on previous episodes, visit us online at dnaswinegenetics.com or find us at your favorite podcast streaming platforms. You can also keep up with DNA Genetics throughout the year by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. For Inside the Helix, I'm Curtis Harms.